Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have two returning guests, very special guests. We talked last year, 2021, about their book, which they published, titled Invoking the Beyond, The Kantian Rift, Mythologized Menaces, and the Quest for the New Man. And they are two brothers, Paul and Philip D. Collins. And this is not their first book. They were another very influential book titled The Ascendancy of the Scientific Dictatorship, an Examination of epistemic autocracy from the 19th to the 21st century. Philip D. Collins has acted as the editor for The Hidden Face of Terrorism. He's also written articles for Paranoia Magazine, MKZine, NewsWithViews.com, and the Biped, the official website of Darwinian Descent and Conspiracy Archive. And Paul David Collins is the author of The Hidden Face of Terrorism. And in 1999, he earned his associate in arts and science degree from Clark State Community College. In 2006, he, he graduated from Wright State University and has worked as a professional journalist for four years. He's covered local news for a variety of different uh, publications in that area. New Carlisle Sun, Tip City Herald, Kettering, Oakwood Times, Beaver Creek News Current, Vandalia Drummer, Springboro Sun, Inglewood Independent. Fairborn Daily Herald and the Xenia Daily Gazette. So I'm delighted to have them back. So Paul and Philip, welcome back to the show. Thank you, William. Thank you so much. So for people who may not have heard our last interview, I mean, your book is very, it's very thorough. You've done tons of research, you can tell. Maybe we can just start for what we talked about last time and then talk about some of these other issues that I don't think we really covered. Uh, sure. Issues having to do with the bomb and... Um, the, I think the man, the mechanizing man, and really kind of this idea of the new man, maybe we can go go into that. So Absolutely. go ahead. Okay, great. Sure, sure. Well, to give you a basic recap, uh, uh, basically what uh, the book deals with is um, what uh, can be called the beyond, which is basically any deific force invoked by the paralete to overwhelm national governments epistemologically and ontologically. And this invocation precipitates the subsequent introduction of a deux ex machina in the form of a technocratic world state. And of course, such a global managerial model would be adv an advantageous arrangement for the paralete because they lay claim to some vaguely defined sociopolitical gnosis, some secret knowledge concerning the operations of the natural order of the cosmos, uh, this this uh, insight that uh, we supposedly are not privy to, but they are. They're policy professionals, they're technical and scientific uh, uh, they're experts. Um, they, they, they lay claim to this gnosis, and that, <coughs> that's uh, what basically legitimizes their hegemony. Um, and it qualifies them to lead humanity towards a glorious transfiguration. But typically, the beyond assumes a form that's derivative of uh, the deific powers that we see populating uh, classical mythology. Um, thanks to Immanuel Kant's epistemological revolution, the external world, the world out there, it's been rendered a terra incognita, a dark continent. It's completely and totally now uh, unknowable, at least arbitrarily deemed unknowable. Um, and with all the metaphysical certainties of the classical era abolished um, with the basically the uh, uh, external world now declared this terra incognita and all the things that we once uh, held aloft and cherished as metaphysical certainties, God, uh, angels, uh, a transcendent order, the soul, um, a new class of myth makers is now free to populate the uh, terra incognita of the external world with their own surrogates for the divine. And you, you basically see where where uh, these new myths uh, basically are balderized and distorted versions of the uh, classical myths, where the classical myths really uh, uh, pointed to truths beyond themselves. Uh, they uh, basically elucidated man's place in the cosmos, presided, uh, provided insights concerning uh, humanity and concerning uh, uh, the those uh, uh, shortcomings that man had to work with those uh, uh, those uh, truths that man had to grasp. These new myths really are just myths in the pejorative sense. They elucidate no real truths. They simply 
act as uh, affirmations of uh, who of man's hubris of of uh, the uh, autotheistic uh, propositions of the elite, and we see this uh, inversionist uh, narrative tradition on display with uh, the various invocations of the beyond. The beyond can be invoked as a, a wrathful earth goddess which is a distortion of God's immanence and uh, the relationship of the feminine to the divine. We see uh, the beyond invoked as AI and technological singularity, and that's basically a, a, a God's uh, transcendence reinterpreted as the mere circumvention of biological constraints. Uh, the beyond invoked as the super weapon, that's uh, Promethean fire uh, reinterpreted as an attainable deific power and a Gnostically reinterpreted Messiah that will liberate man from corrupt materiality. And of course, the beyond invoked as extraterrestrial gods. This is a reinterpreted uh, taxonomy of angels, demons, and other heavenly beings, the most significant of which is, of course, God. But there's nothing... Uh, these these new myths. There's nothing uh, that that really of of any transcendent transcendent uh, value to them. There's there's no real there's no real uh, uh, transcendent truth to them. They're just they're just myths in the pejorative sense and anything. But right, um, but they they're these myths these new mythologies are kind of reconstructs of old Gnostic or old ideas. So the alien is always an evolutionary being he's he's pushing forward evolution he's absolutely pushing, right so so Absolutely. you see yeah so that's why they're menacing they uh, and I, these are religious they they take on a definite religious oh absolutely well um i'd like to point out also that you know our book while it's while it's very long the invocations the invocations of the beyond are so innumerable that it's beyond the scope of any one book we just got we're now just coming out of, of, of a major invocation of the beyond with the coronavirus. The coronavirus was, was the beyond invoked as, as, as the rate of the germs, as H.G. Wells would have called it, or uh, disease. or The plague. The plague. Um, <clears throat> it, it was a poorly constructed, uh, hastily put together invocation, but it was an invocation nonetheless, and it it did have the desired effect to a to a certain point with the, with the population because you had a whole cross section of the population that was actually willing to uh, to take these vaccines that had been put together in such a small frame of time. You know, uh, uh, average vaccine is about fifteen to twenty years of development with. Uh, with uh, many many years of safety observations uh, put into place before you before you even consider putting them out for the public, and and, and but it, this with this invocation of the of the beyond, people were willing to take something that was under that was in development for under a year, with none of the regular safety protocols, and, and actually placing it into their bloodstreams, and then another another um, another way that that invocation was successful was that we saw the um, implementation of these lockdowns, which were completely uh, ruinous from an economic standpoint, uh, from a, the standpoint of, of, of one's well, economy, it was absolutely destructive. And also from the standpoint of, uh, <laughs> of mental health and, and uh, 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 in terms of uh, people's uh, people's overall uh, state of mind. It had a very adverse uh, effect, but it really did constitute another invocation of the beyond because this thing called coronavirus, its, its ontology seemed to be relatively indeterminate. There was no real defining it. There was no real, it's, uh, uh, it's, it, it, it's, it's true abilities. It's true, uh, you know, the, the extent to which it how it was transmitted, the extent it, to which it could be transmitted was never really clearly defined. And, and then you had, uh, as a result, uh, 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 this, this epistemological confusion that arises because now a, a, anything and everything that was any, any sort of observations or, or uh, information uh, concerning this, uh, this, uh, this new plague that uh, did not prove to be uh, socially and politically expedient for, you know, the public health officials 
and uh, for the uh, the people who were basically managing the uh, the managing the uh, outbreak, well, it was deemed quote unquote misinformation. So yeah, you you. And, and so we're now moving out of that, and the 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 power elite here in the West seems <laughs> to be trying to transform uh, transform its favorite boogeyman into another invocation of the beyond, the Slavic savage. Um, because um, the Slavic people have always been a target of of elitist circles here in the West, because elitist circles here in the West have a tendency to be characterized by ink. They 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 tend to be anglophilic. They tend to be anglophile in in their orientation, and all they draw a lot of their inspiration from John Ruskin and from Cecil Rhodes and um, from their notions of a, of of world government, which in its earliest form would be a, a kind of confederation of the English speaking people under the British, and and. and um, you know those. So those the Russians have been the, one of the most useful allies of the American elites since after World War II. No question, they have yeah. served as the boogeyman. They have invoked the beyond, the reason for creating these massive weapons for the Cold War, for the steel, for the massive theft of value globally and the wealth transference from 1945 to the present now. So they are very worthwhile. Very worthwhile. Right. The, the economy of Russia is the size of Texas. Yeah, I, kind of I, I mean, uh, it's it, it. If you want to talk about you know an, an economy that 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 uh, could actually pose a serious threat to the United States, it would probably be China. It wouldn't be Absolutely. Russia. China would be is probably the second largest. Yeah, I mean, it's the it's the workshop of the world. But they, they just keep on they keep on you know finding ways of taking us back to Russia, taking us back to the Slavic people and trying to turn them into the Slavic savage. And, um, <coughs> and I, I one of the things I'd like to add too is that very important context is Biden slipped his tongue and said, there's going to be a new world order. So that's yes. an elite philosophy. That's not something people talk about at the local bar, but among wealthy no. people who don't have to work, that's, that's a philosophic concept and he let it slip and he he's let it slip all kinds of stuff actually but um you can tell what he's thinking he's not very uh circumspect in his borderings no. but now i think that's very important in the context of your book so please right right uh, absolutely and and accompanying this uh, uh new world order which is really just a, a euphemistic phrase used uh uh used uh to refer to a a a technocratic world state um accompanying the, a new world order is uh, a new man and that 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 is the that is the ultimate that's the uh pan ultimate goal to which the to which they they've directed all their e efforts the the paralytes promethean antho anthropology we see it's affirmed by kant's uh ethical theory which naturally follows from his disteleological portrait of the world after all if you know you have a, a, a if an ordered world uh, uh, implies that there is a moral order with which uh, the, the human must align itself. Uh, if that order is undermined, if that order is non-existent or imperceptible, as Kant uh, uh, proposed it to be, uh, then it stands to reason that the, hu the human will must govern itself. And such an autotheistic ethical proposition is affirmed by Kant's deontological ethics. Because according to Kant's deontological ethics, moral values find their source exclusively with human reason. And God is no longer the ontological source of all moral values. Instead, the all-embracing moral imperative or categorical imperative, as Kant calls it, is rationally derived from man's universalization of maxims. And those maxims that can be uh, universalized supposedly without logical contradiction qualify as categorical imperatives. Thus, reason supplants God as the source of moral uh, moral law. It's truly ironic that Kant would elevate reason to such a lofty status when his epistemological theory uh, really simultaneously neuters it. If man's cognitive faculties are not trustworthy in the discernment of the external world, why should they be regarded as reliable in the formulation of tenable ethic? But nevertheless, Kant virtually apotheosized 
human reason, thereby rendering man as an absolutely self-determining being. And an anthropological doctrine of absolute human uh, plasticity from this arose. Man becomes his own creator, a metaphysical proposition that affirms the Gnostic soteriological claim of uh, self-salvation. And so we are presented with the Luciferian Promethean anthropology that was dignified by Gnostic theology and popularized by the 18th century Enlightenment. The Enlightenment, which was arguably a Gnostic revival, provided the formative ethos wherein Kant's ideas were developed. And several Enlightenment theoreticians, you see uh, them actually viewing Lucifer through uh, an inverted hermeneutic that uh, we see presented in uh, the Egyptian, Egyptian Gnostic text, the hypostasis of the Archon. This uh, Egyptian Gnostic text uh, that portrayed the serpent in Eden as humanity's benevolent instructor and incognito savior, it provided the the inverted hermeneutic through which uh, uh, Lucifer would be understood uh, by today's by today's political theoreticians. Uh, this is how Lucifer was understood by Enlightenment theoreticians. Lucifer becomes basically the schematic, the anthropological schematic uh, to which man must be uh, conformed, and that's that's the that's ultimately the goal to which they're working. Right. I mean, it really is. So this new man will be like the Luciferian man, right? A self-saving creation who is based upon Gnosticism. And I think that that flows through Nazism, right? That's kind of the philosophical subtext of that political party too, was its Luciferianism. Would you agree to that? Yes, absolutely. Um, as a matter of fact, um, uh, Adolf Hitler uh, supposedly, uh, 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 supposedly, uh, candidly confessed to Hermann Rauschening uh, that uh, man, uh, quote unquote, man was becoming God uh, as, as, uh, as Adolf Hitler allegedly had put it. But this is uh, actually a parody of uh, the, uh, satir the orthodox soteriological doctrine of theosis. Um, theosis, which, uh, um, was understood as as basic uh, basically uh, salvation. It it was the it was it, as as it was exposited by Saint Athanasius of Alexandria. He he basically it it basically held that man would could, would would become a reflection of God, a, a, an imager of God. So man does man wouldn't become ontologically the the uh the the same as god but that he would reflect god and reflect god's glory uh, to to make a distinction it was deification but it was deification by energies not not by essence that uh through through uh through cooperation with god man could reflect god's glory uh this is a parody of that and um this is this is actually autotheism, which was ideologized by theoreticians like Diderot, Comte, Feuerbach, Hegel, Marx, Bakunin, uh, Proudhon, uh, Nietzsche, Hitler, uh, Saul Alinsky, uh, but continually insinuating himself through the ideas of such man is the fallen angel whose lies were suddenly rendered palatable by academic vernacular. And while his existence was often rejected by these theoreticians, uh, uh, Satan nevertheless re remained uh, the, uh, the uh, inspiration for the ideas. And uh, he was repeatedly invoked as an illustrative analogy for apotheosized uh, man. But we see that with, with all the invocations of the beyond, the, poss <laughs> the possibility for the emergence of this of this new man for for in particular for instance with with the beyond uh invoked as uh extraterrestrials well extraterrestrials are are supposedly de these these deific beings um they're practically deific beings as a matter of fact um, um according to uh their own the uh extraterrestrial creation myth of uh panspermia we we are uh, a product of their experimentation but um, um evolutionarily speaking 
they are supposedly us as we will become. And since they are these deific beings, then the assumption is, is that we will become as God. Right. I mean, it's pretty scary. That's one interpretation of that. If you take my interpretation that aliens are demons, that makes it even scarier. Which right. Is, well, yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we even go into some of the evidence that, 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 um, that, that that the that's uh, you know some of these uh, okay some of it is obviously advanced r d you know that right. that's being used but used by you talk people. sorry to interrupt but you talk about adamski you talk about dolas you talk at going back that this this uh mytho mythology of aliens has been tinkered with by intelligence agencies from the past and in my opinion to the present if you take to yeah. the stars academy uh, oh yeah absolutely yeah. Sorry. But um, but, um, you know, some of it's advanced R&D. We won't we, we don't deny that that uh, that advanced R&D is being used by deep state state circles to uh, to bring about social engineering. But but there's also this occult aspect to it. Uh, I mean, uh, th for instance, if you take if, if somebody that we go into in uh, in great detail in the book is an individual by the name of Christopher Mellon. Christopher Mellon is one of the most vocal individuals out there uh, right now concerning UFOs. He, he and Louis Elizondo have hit the media circuit really hard, <coughs> trying to get people to uh, to buy in hook, line, and sinker on the whole idea of UFOs. And um, Christopher Mellon, his his, he's uh, if, if you look into his his background, if you look into his biography, he's part of the oligarch. He's part of this oligarchical dynasty, the the Mellon dynasty, that claims Pittsburgh's entrepreneur uh, uh, banker Thomas Mellon as its patriarch. But Thomas Mellon belonged to the Pittsburgh Scottish and Irish industrial community. And this is significant, is significant because the Scottish-Irish industrial community owes much of its, of its existence to Freemasonry. Uh, Freemasonry basically established that business community. And hmm. Thomas Mellon's collaboration with uh, Freemasons includes loans that he made to Henry Clay Frick, uh, who was an infamous industrialist and union buster. Um, and then uh, there's actually been members of the of the Mellon family who are actually uh, uh, um, members of, of, of Freemasonry. Uh, I believe um, one of Thomas Mellon's son, US, sons, U.S. Uh, Secretary of Treasury, Andrew William Mellon, was a Freemason. And according to a Freemasonic source, he attained the uh, much coveted 33rd degree of Freemasonry. And... and and that's just one example of one individual who's involved in the UFO deception who has an occult background there. Uh, other individuals um, would be um, um, uh, the now deceased, um, oh, uh, he was a Satanist. Um, uh, Michael Aquino, I'm sorry. Michael Aquino, Michael, yeah, so. yeah, Michael Aquino, he, he, he was involved in the UFO deception. Um, and a close associate... Of of his um, um, who who seems to get around, who was uh, the number two guy uh, to to Bigelow. Um, oh um, really? Oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, don't don't forget Peter Lavenda, who's deep in TTSA. He's actually ghostwriting stuff for. Yeah, absolutely, uh, absolutely. Secret machines, which yeah. I have a connection to. He actually goes. Yeah. Ghost wrote uh, something too, but yeah, Peter Lavenda is an interesting character. You can you can watch. I think on one of these things, him conducting an OTO ritual. So, and he's really? out. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, Lavenda flat out. I'll send it to you. Flat out conducting an old OTO ritual with Wasserman, some of these known OTO long term characters in the states. Yeah. But he's yeah, also Lavenda's also involved in this like desert UFO in the desert thing that happens every year. So these are deep occultists involved. Yeah, um, the, the, the number two guy to Bigelow that I was trying to remember his name. His name was is uh, Colonel John B. Alexander. Uh, he, oh, right. he, he was he was a, an associate of Aquino, of Aquino's uh, through the Association of Former Intelligence Officers and all. And and you go to his don't website. forget Valeli. Don't forget John. Valeli. Oh yeah, Paul Valeli. Yeah, Valeli, absolutely. Yeah. So they're all working. Yeah. 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 Um, Sorry, but, but you know. Um, 
this this all begs the question, you know, um, you know, how much of this is 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 advanced R and D, and how much of this is um, is uh, is the, the you know um, the 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 uh, invocation of 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 di uh, diabolical forces of preternatural right. forces right. You know? and 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 so we're, we 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 uh, entertain that in the book and and we look into that because that does seem to be part of this particular invocation of the beyond it, the 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 out the employment of occultism the employment of source sorcery in order to give a, an air of authenticity to the <laughs> The, uh, go, the go look at this guy Greer or whatever. He has all the occult imagery, and his his meeting with the UFOs is just like trying to communicate with devils or, or demons or entities. Like he's out at night, and it's really something else. I'm surprised yeah. people can't see the similarities between the UFO co culture. Right. Absolutely, and, uh, that absolutely. Stuff, yeah. yeah, I had a guest on but, just to add know, to that. It, yeah, it it brings up the whole. Go oh, go. Yeah. But it brings up a whole new possibility that people need to, you know, to consider when they're looking at that particular invocation of the beyond. And if if you have deep state operatives that are also practicing occultists and are summoning things and are bringing things, you know, from that ontological intermediary plane, um, that area known in uh, orthodox Christian circles as the sky. You know, which is this kind of intermediary uh, area between heaven and earth, and and they and they're collaborating with these things. Then it starts to beg the question, you know, who's who's controlling who, you know, and you know, is the deep state really in control of, or or are these things in control of the deep state? Because, you know, these these things you obviously you know they you, you're not in a position to you know uh, to uh, issue any kind of demands to them and you know they they've shown them they've shown themselves to be of an intelligence and and of you know a level of power to where they you know are are able to best you you know you're not in a position to to give any decrees or commands or anything to them so who's controlling who is it the deep state or is it these diabolical forces you know uh that uh, these demons con uh, that are controlling the deep state, you know, it's, it's so, a great question. It's a great question. It's a question that the more secular uh, portion of the audience would not like to, to, to look into and all, but it's, it's it, but the, the fact that they're involved in this um, in these occult practices and that they invariably the occult practices, you know, uh, become a topic of discussion when we're looking at the UFO deception it has to be asked. Those questions have to be asked. Totally. I totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. I mean, that's really it. I mean, are they, these seances to contact them, they want to obtain knowledge from them. So that's really very telling. So what kind of knowledge are they obtaining? Why are they communicating with them? I mean, I think that's very telling because that, that similarity of trying to contact the UFOs is very similar to contacting demons. And then, yeah, I mean, it gets very deep. <coughs> I, of control. You know, um, uh, there, there should have been all sorts of red flags that were set off in the, in the ufological circles out there in the UFO community. When uh, people like John Keel uh, published his book, Operation Trojan Horse, and uh, and uh, Jacques Vallee uh, published his book, Passage to Magonia, where in both of those books, they forthrightly said, yes, you know, every, you know, this this mirrors everything that one would study in 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 um, in demonology. And, you know, and they just forthrightly put it out there. But, you know, no one's going to ever um, accuse the. Uh, the uh, UFO community as being uh, an over an overly intellectual bunch of people, you know, but well, an interesting research that, that ties into your story is I've been kind of looking through some of these mind control doctors and they were interested in alien abduction. So some of these same dark figures of the CIA are involved in studying people and this phenomenon. And it's very disturbing. People should be very dis uh, concerned about being in those, 
in those communities because there might be some very interesting people because it, it does pertain to mind control states, disassociation, possession, and they're studying it. So they're not right. studying it like a ufologist. They're studying the phenomenon as somebody who's a psychologist with experience in mind control. That should scare people. I, I know that the Satanist that was a that was a consultant to Operation Often, which was a CIA operation. Um, I, 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 her name eludes me at the moment. I believe it was Hotfoot Jackson or something like that. She was basically a witch that helped them to you know come into contact with all the different covens here in the United States. But <clears throat> she, you know, she forthrightly said, like, yeah, the aliens and, and demons are one and the same, yeah. you know. And, and so, and this is this is somebody that's acting as you know, as a consultant to the CIA, as acting as a consultant to uh, Dr. Sidney Gottlieb, who was heading wow. up Operation uh, Operation uh, Operation Often, um, you know, right. and, and so and so you know, so the people in the intelligence community were were you know privy to this. And, and interesting. I mean, it's incredible that you mentioned Dulles in your book as being, you know, overseeing Adamski. And if you don't agree with that, we're going to, we're going to, you know, get an injunction against you. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because Adamski, uh, there was a, there was a Cincinnati lawyer who, um, who wanted, uh, who basically wanted the federal government to bring charges against Adamski for using the, uh, the United States postal service to commit fraud. That was where he was sending out his stories through was through the United States Postal Service. <clears throat> but, you know, this 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 uh, Cincinnati lawyer said, look, you got you got a case against this guy. And so, you know, um, the lawyers at the CIA looked at this and said, yeah, there's a there's a case that could be brought against Adamski. And um, in response, Alan Dulles said, anybody that tries to bring a case, yours, we'll put a court injunction against them uh, out on them. And, uh, you know. So, so yeah, I mean, um, uh, you know, Dulles was a not just a major, a consummate deep state player. I mean, from the JFK assassination to the to the um, to, uh, well, you know, from from the the from the 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 uh, collapse of the uh, Mossadegh government in 1953 to the collapse of Jacobo Benz government in Guatemala. Uh, on to the JFK assassination, on and on. You know, he wasn't just a consummate War commission. All yeah, that stuff. He, he wasn't just a consummate deep state operative. He was really a centerpiece of the UFO deception, and and many people believe that his his correspondence and his uh, association with Carl Gustav Hewn that he used that he exploited that association there to take um, Hewn's uh, Carl Hewn's uh, uh, investigations and research into UFOs and exploit that and use that as part of the deception, the, the UFO deception that he, that he was in part responsible for constructing. Who is Hune? Can you talk about him? I'm not familiar with that name. Carl Gustav Hune. He was basically kind of a protege to, uh, to Sigmund Freud. And he, he was, uh, he was a psychologist uh, who who was deeply involved in the occult? He he was deeply deeply involved in the occult. Um, Richard Knoll has written a very very good book about Hune um, uh, called Airing Christ, with which looks into just how deep into occultism the man uh, man had went. But not only that, but how many uh, Hewian uh, psychologists today actually have worked to actively suppress that dark side to Carl Hune's uh, um, uh, biography uh, so that, in, that the vast majority of, uh, of Americans today wouldn't know that Hune was, that, was as involved in um, uh, occultism as in, involved in as occultism as he was. But Carl Gustav Hume had done a lot of research into, into UFOs. And um, he had, he, I believe that Clover Dulles was a patient of Hune's. And I believe, if, if I recall correctly, that Hune and Dulles shared the same mistress in, in Mary Bancroft. 
and through the and through Clover uh, Dallas and Mary Bancroft, they were able to, you know, basically data mine one another. And one of the things that uh, that Dallas, you know, looked into as far as as Hume was concerned was was Hume's research into UFOs, and and he exploited that that research and in, in in his. Um, concocting of of several different ufo hoaxes and helping to construct the the ufo deception that uh you know has gone on for many years you know many years subsequent to even uh dallas's death so right it's still ongoing so it started early it started in the probably 40s or 50s so it's just morphed metastasized grown Right. It's a re really a religion. I, I mean, I right. Would, uh, well, and if 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 I may add, um, it, it may seem counter uh, counterintuitive, uh, but the primacy of scientific materialism, which we see it enshrined through the likes of uh, Sir Francis Bacon and what have you, um, that actually presaged this revival of occultism. That's because magic materialism, they're not diametrically opposed schools of thought instead they're developmental phrase uh, phases that run along the same continuum of thought if we see magic as essentially being a species of materialism it makes a, a lot more sense because um if uh if magic invokes uh agencies that are suprasensible um they're not by definition supernatural they're not uh, in a theological sense, transcendent, they're mostly regarded as uh, at most preternatural. Uh, they are merely subtler, more potent aspects of the f uh, physical cosmos. At least that's how they're viewed. Uh, so uh, modern science um, in its most Baconian form um, and hermetic magic are both uh, concerned with these uh, hidden forces that uh, conceal themselves within the material order, uh, forces that are largely morally neutral, that can be harnessed to both ends fair or foul, um, um, that are largely impersonal, which uh, one can learn to manipulate, which uh, one can uh, use for whatever for whatever ends uh, their their wills, uh, uh, whatever ends their wills are are drawn towards. Um, and so it, it's more, it's, it's this, it's, it's, again, it's, it's not, it's not transcendent. They're, they're not, they're not transcendent forces in the theological sense, or at least they're not regarded as transcendent forces in the theological sense or supernatural. They're just, they're merely regarded as the subtler aspects of the material cosmos. Right. And that's, that's why, that's why you have this, the dominant view of magic and science as being entwined in the 21st century, um, as you had theoreticians like Maxwell, Einstein, Schrodinger, Newton, all effectively undermining the authenticity of matter in a very Gnostic way. They they advanced this, this Gnostic allergy towards matter, which is ironic given the fact that scientific materialism only esteem, esteems matter as the sole reality, um, nevertheless, while undermining its authenticity. They rendered the physical universe as nothing more than a standing reserve, a bestant of raw material to be manipulated through the sorcery of science. And the equation of science with magic, it's been explicitly promoted uh, through several cultural artifacts comprising modern entertainment. You know, for instance, uh, the uh, movie The Sorcerer's Apprentice, uh, which had a uh, Nicolas Cage um, right. in that that film, a physics student from NYU, he is uh, taken under the tutelage of a, a magician by the name of Balthasar Blake, which is played by Nicolas Cage. And in one of the <coughs> one of the training sessions, um, Balthasar explains that sorcerers really just constitute this elite stock of people who can use 100 percent of their 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 brain. And this uh, distinction allows the sorcerers to manipulate matter. And, and the the uh, the apprentice at one point asked, well, which is it? Is sorcery science or magic? And Balthasar kind of just glibly replies, uh, yes and yes, is <laughs> how he puts it. But um, um, 63 years earlier, 
before that film, you had Bertrand Russell, who declared knowledge or scientia, which basically is what the, the sciences are, is a scientia in the Latin, in the original Latin meaning knowledge. He did, deemed it a practical tool in the manipulation of matter. And this is the magical interpretation of science that's most uh, succinctly uh, summarized uh, now in mo modern films. Uh, another one would be uh, the Marvel uh, film, Thor. Um, in, in that film, Thor basically tells uh, Natalie, Natalie Portman's <coughs> character, he says, your, your ancestors called it magic, but uh, or your ancestors called it magic, but you call it science. I come from a, a land where they are one and the same. And that's, a, it, 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 that's why you have now this, this the with the enshrinement of scientific materialism, you have it now segueing into an age of full-blown occultism and magic. And you see the intersections, for instance, in the ufological communities. And they, 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 these are these are beings that are for all practical purposes, while they're they're regarded as inhabitants of the physical universe, as indwelling the ontological confines of the material cosmos, they're still also regarded as demons and angels. And this is largely because yeah, if you go back to the, the other example, you know, earlier that we were talking about in 1972 operation, often the CIA operation that fell headlong into demonology and it was headed up by Sidney Gottlieb. Um, Gottlieb probably did not believe in all likelihood real didn't really believe that he was um, that he was raising hell that he was uh, summoning all these infernal forces up from you know uh, up from from the the uh, the world of the of the damned or, or, or something like that he thought that what that you know he was just engaging in um, and, and scientific experimentation and that, you know, and that, that what he was trying to harness, what he was trying to weaponize, the Satanism that he was trying to harness and the Satanism that he was trying to weaponize, that there was science to it. It's just that we, science will catch up at a later date and, and explain the inexplicable aspects of it. And, you know, it, it, so, you know, he, he, he saw himself as he saw it as, you know, Merely, he was he was still he he didn't see himself as a saucer is he just saw himself as a scientist doing what science scientists do even though it you know prompted him to go to a to a lady by the name of Sybil Leak that was who I was trying to remember earlier I referred to her as Hotfoot Jackson but Hotfoot Jackson was actually her bird but she, he went to this this lady named Sybil Leak for help and Sybil Leak was this. Uh, was this Houston-based sorceress, and um, it was through leak that Operation Often was able that they were able to learn just about just how many covens were located in the United States. They were able to find out that there were at that time it was 1972, so it's probably a lot larger. The subculture is probably a lot larger now, but at that time there were like 400 covens operated by 5,000 initiated witches and warlocks in the United States. And um, <clears throat> and so, you know, Gottlieb, you know, looked to weaponize all those covens and, 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 and while, while making it look respectable, while making the devil look respectable and in order to provide the devil with some kind of air of respectability, Gottlieb turned to the University of, of uh, South Carolina and using uh, conduits, Gottlieb financed uh, a, a course in sorcery at that university. University, and there was actually—I mean, it actually got a, a sizable number of, of of enrollees. There were like 250 students that enrolled in the course, and all you know. Um, so, I mean. Um, uh, you know, he, he thought that this was all just science, but, you know, and, and, and the inexplicable aspects would be explained by science in the, uh, in, 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 in the future and all. But, you know, technically, if you want, if you really want to get technical, he was acting as, as almost like a satanic high priest. Right. I mean, it's pretty incredible to think that he really was a scientist doing this magic. And one of the people who I interviewed is Charles Upshin. You mentioned mention him in your book 
Oh, yeah. People can go back and look at the alien disclosure deception, the metaphysics of social engineering. He's done a lot of really good work. And he's yeah. the one that really said that the same phenomenon of these aliens is the same phenomenon people had in the 17th century when they thought they were being haunted by a demon. Yeah. Trickery, fear, you know, deception, all kinds of stuff. Same same, same stuff John D experienced, who thought he was doing science too, right? Right. Uh, I don't know. If you ever I, I just, I, I uh, um, probably about a month, a month ago, I wrapped up reading uh, Upton's book, and uh, and I also prior to that read his book Vectors of of the Counter Initiation, and um, nobody synthesizes it quite the way that he does because you know he's he's able to take the different views and show where portions of them are are all true, <coughs> and um, you know um, something that. I think is very important that he pointed out is that some of these deep state operatives constitute what has been called in Islam, the Aliyah al-Shatan, the, the saints of Satan, the friends of Satan, you know, and, um, and, and so, you know, so, some of the, some of the deep state operatives that, that, you know, we know for, you know, the more conventional, more traditional uh, forms of, of clandestine uh, uh, politics. I've also been involved in 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 summoning things and summoning things over to this to this side from a, from the other side. You know, and and the list of suspects for the Aliyah al Shatan it, it includes retired Army psychologist, warfare specialist, Lieutenant Colonel Michael Kino, who's now passed. A retired army colonel, John B. Alexander, American engineer and parapsychologist, Hal Putoff. We look at all three of those individuals in great detail in the new book. And suffice it to say that right now that all of these individuals have been deeply involved in UFO ma manipulation and occultism. In the case of Aquino, who founded the Satanic Temple of Set, there was blatant transparent uh, Satanism. So, I mean, like if, if, if we are correct, and if Upton is correct, then black magicians are in fact participating in the the, the UFO deception. And um, if that's true, then people have to consider again. Uh, you know, I, I I go back and I say it again that people have to consider the implications of consorting with spiritual forces. Deep state operatives employing black magic and occultism are as much puppets as they are puppeteers. A covert operat operator who invokes demons enters into packs, a pact and an agreement with forces that are greater than himself or herself. So, the, you know, the deep state is well, uh, well acquainted with manipulating and controlling people. But when it deals with demons, it is in no position to dictate terms. Uh, I'm sure that deep state operatives that integrate black magic and occultism into the uh, into their tradecraft, believe they are firmly in control. You know, I, I I can see them deluding themselves into believing themselves completely in control. But in reality, however, they are they 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 are completely deluded. They are in fact completely at the mercy of their demonic uh, collaborators. I I think that Charles Upton put it best uh, when he said, "quote The magician is hyperconscious." of the influence he believes he is exerting on the world, but largely unconscious of the greater influence that the invisible world, possibly the demonic world, is exerting on him at the same moment, unquote. Um, perhaps, um, you know, that gives us, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, it gives us a picture of how it, all of this UFO deception ends with demonic forces determining uh, th that their human puppets in the deep state have outlived their usefulness and can now be turned over to destruction. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, understand that these infernal forces have no love for humanity. One thing that almost all exorcists have described in exorcism sessions is an atmosphere of perfect hatred. Uh, that feature, in my opinion, seems to be universal. Uh, the only thing that a demon loves about a human being is the human's utility. And once that utility is gone, the demon takes great pleasure in turning uh, on his human collaborators. So, you know, 
what's going to happen to the deep state when it outlives its um, its its usefulness to the uh, to to you know to these preternatural forces that it, that they are now in interface with? You know, we'll we'll wait and see, but uh, it's it's not going to be pretty. Right. I mean, don't you think it all leads up to some point that's almost kind of like what's mentioned in the book of Revelation? Oh, yeah. At some point, that's going to that's that that that's going to, you know, happen. You know, we're reluctant to to uh, visit the, the the prophetic too much because, you know, the according to the Bible, you know, um, you know, no one knows the day or the hour. And so you're not really supposed to set any dates. You know, you're not supposed to become involved in any kind of calendrics. But it's hard to see how this can go much further without, you know, us reaching a, a zenith point, without us reaching a culmination, and you know, without this reaching a a a, a final battle of some of, of 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 some sort. It's 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 hard to see Th this kind of cycle that we see can't keep on going on indefinitely. You know, so at some point. What Saint John uh, saw, you know, and, and wrote down all of that pictorial shorthand that he wrote down, all of, you know, uh, the the different um, uh, symbolism that he he you know put put on paper, and you know, in trying to articulate these these huge, you know, eschatological events. Yeah, these huge eschat uh, eschatological events. It's going to happen. It's 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 going to take place. Did you guys get a chance to read um, Upton's <laughs> Dugan book? I think you wrote a book on Dugan. Did you read through that? I haven't had an opportunity to read that just yet. I, I've read some of his critiques of Dugan. I, I I agree with him entirely on Dugan. Dugan's critiques of uh, of modernity modernity are, are are spot on. But this idea, this notion uh, that somehow modernity it, that 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 the remedy to modernity is basically having a clash of civilizations between the Slavic and and I guess the Anglosphere and all uh, you know that's that's destructive. That's not you know that's 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 not productive in any way way shape or form. Yeah, I think there Dugan kind of descended into <coughs> into some Gnostic pro, pro, uh, propensities of his own. Uh, uh, mainly a kind of a Manichaean binary that that he was that he either consciously or unconsciously he uh, either consciously or unconsciously found himself uh, promoting, um, um, which of course uh, the the this the these Manichaean binaries they're always indicative of of manipulation. They they overlook the inherent complexities of humanity. Um, you can't, you, you, humanity is not so easily partitioned off into these immutable soteriological uh, categories of the elect and the damned. And it, it, interestingly enough, that's what the Western elites, uh, elites themselves are doing in this case, casting the uh, the Russians as as the damned and the, the you know, the, they themselves and whoever happens to align themselves with the Western elites as the elect. And before that, they were doing it with the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. Um, but these Manichaean binaries the, 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 uh, are, are really just they're they're really just overly simplistic uh, 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 categories of, uh, of uh, that that really are disproportionate with. Uh, the f fundamental complexity of human nature. Gotcha. Uh, Drone Dynasty is asking, why does occultism seem to hark back to Egyptian mythos? Do you guys have any ideas about that? Uh, uh, well, the, the most that I could say is, is because, uh, um, you know, the, 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 that Egyptian priesthood, uh, they, they, they meddled with a great many of those uh, forces. Um, and, uh, um, some of the, you know, a good many modern uh, occultists probably regard uh, the the uh, Egyptian priesthoods as being uh, one of several uh, repositories of viable uh, uh, esoteric knowledge. Yeah, they just they they it's something that they turn back to as a source of inspiration. You know, the more modern occultist type. Yeah, definitely Crowley, and Dugan has a Crowley connection too. He right. is an admirer of Crowley, so which, uh, <laughs> that goes back right to talking to entities. Yeah, yeah. Entities. Crowley, Crowley uh, 
claimed to have been in contact with a uh, an entity named Lamb, I believe it was L A M. Yes. And if you look at pictures of Lamb, there's there's a striking kind of similarity between Lamb and uh, and a gray alien. You and know? the cover of your book, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. It happened in New York City, actually. It's called right. the Alamantra working. And then right. 1904 was uh, AWAS. So there's all kinds. Of, he called one the magician. He had all kinds of different entity things. But he always was praying to AWAS all the time. What we find out later is Satan. So he just used a, a different name to kind of conceal it. But yeah. Right. I think that's the, the big secret of Crowley that people tried to keep is that he was just an outright satanic Luciferian. Right. Um. Guys, we're at about 60 minutes. Is there anything you'd like to add? Anything I missed? Anything you want to kind of say before we wrap this up? Uh, well, I, I'd like I just to, to, on the Ukrainian and Russian I issue, you know, because that came up a little bit during this interview and all, you know, uh, and I, of course, I pointed out, you know, that that's with that, that conflict there, you have the attempt to invoke the beyond as a Slavic sa savage, you know, uh, uh, it, it seems to be already in the throes of failure um, because, well, we, we have, you know, a, a trade war that's that's shaping up as a result, you know, with all these sanctions and the sanctions are actually now there. You know, it, it seemed initially to be something that was hurting uh, Russia, but, you know, now it's actually have, starting to hurt the West. It's starting to cause problems with the you know the 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 um, the, the uh, supply chain was already precarious. It was already in a bad shape, and and you know and and now what we're seeing is like well the ruble is actually starting to stabilize, and you know and we have all these supply chain issues, you know so you know this idea of chasing the Slavic monster is not going to be a popular one with the American people for much longer. So you know they they'll start to pull away from that one. Eventually, you know, not, 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 not very long. It won't be very long. You know, they're not going to try to invoke the Slavic monster for too long, and all. And what I suspect is that we really are coming up on that time where the the UFO deception is will have its day, where 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 the ability to you know to create you know just. Uh, just you know the 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 kind of to replicate the kind of things that we see in cinematic depictions of UFOs uh, that that that's about ready to happen that that's that, that they're going to launch in the, into that at, at, at not not to in the, not too distant into the future. Right. I mean, the, the TTSA is really an attempt to hyper-popularize and capture the you know, youth audience, right? Through yeah, DeLong. yeah. <laughs> you know, and DeLong was a little bit of a flaky dude. And TTSA, you know, the, some of the major players that were behind that one seemed to have moved on from it. You know, Luis, Luis Elizondo and Christopher Millen, but they haven't stopped talking. And they haven't stopped talking about UFOs and the media is listening to them and, and paying very, very serious attention to them. They don't they're not ridiculing them and they're not playing them up as cranks. Right. No, good point. And uh, where's the best place for people to get Invoking the Beyond? Uh, invoking the Beyond, uh, <coughs> you can pick it up at uh, Amazon.com. Um, it's available as both a uh, electronic book and as a, uh, a a physical print copy, the the print copy is a little bit on the uh, a little bit on the exorbitant side. We didn't set the price for the book. Uh, that was established by the uh, publisher. We are assuming the reason it's so high is to cover printing costs. But the electronic copy of the book is only two ninety nine. So whichever format that you happen to prefer, it's available on Amazon, and you can also get it through iUniverse.com, iUniverse.com, in both formats there as well. Yeah, you guys have done an incredible amount of research. I mean, each each one of your chapters is almost book length in itself. So, ton kudos to you. And where's the best place for people to reach out to you on social media or website? Right now. 
uh, yeah, right now, if folks want to uh, uh, talk to us, uh, they could uh, get uh, get a hold of us via our Yahoo address, the Collins Bros, T-H-E-C-O-L-L-I-N-S-B-R-O-S at yahoo.com, the Collins Bros at yahoo.com. We're working on is eventually starting a, a, a web page of our own. It's just been slow going and we've had a few... Uh, We've had a few uh, obstacles um, um, in the way, but hopefully before too much longer, we'll have our own little corner of cyberspace where people can check up with us. But right now it would be through uh, our Yahoo email address. The Collins Bros at Yahoo.com, correct? Absolutely. Gotcha. Yes, sir. So people can email you there. And again, the title of the book is Invoking the Beyond, the Kantian Rift, Mythologized Menaces, and the Quest for the New Man by Paul and Philip D. Collins. Thanks so much for your time. Hey, thank you. Thank William. you, Will. All right, take care. All right, stay there.